here we go, fulfilling and unleashing God's best in your life. And we're talking about a supernatural lifestyle. How do we live a supernatural lifestyle? Well, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to talk today, we've talked last week about living passionately, living purposefully, and today we're going to talk about living playfully, properly, and prosperously. All right? If you haven't noticed, this P, 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 P. Okay, just, just in case for those who are a little slow. So there we go. We're going to have a little bit of fun being playful. What about living playfully? Well, we need to learn to laugh. Laugh at life. Yep, Vicky, you've arrived. We need to laugh together even as a church. I think too many believers are uh, giving uh, the joy of the Lord a bad name. You know, from some churches that I've seen and been a part of and spoke at and looked out in the audience and all the, the looks you get, usually for something you say, but nevertheless, it, there's this stare and that happens all the time. And it makes it look like there's no life in the church. And yet the life of Christ in us is exciting and we need to learn to have a little bit more fun. Here's an example, Zephaniah 3.17, the Father exalts over you with joy. Let's see what this says here. Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will exult over you by singing a happy song. Wow. Can you see God doing that? <laughs> Give me some volume, volume. There we go. song. <laughs> Nehemiah. He once told a discouraged, defeated, depressed group of people. He says, don't be discouraged. This is at the time when the walls were down. They had lost all hope. All vision was gone. And God gave a vision to a guy in another country, pretty much. A far away gave him the vision and the favor to come and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He said, don't be down and out. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to experience that joy. A spirit of carefree lightheartedness, God-centered playfulness is often absent in most Christian circles. <laughs> Although here we do have some fun, which is great. We cannot take ourselves too seriously. Steve McVeigh wrote this. How will you play if you insist on taking on re the responsibilities beyond that of a child? A child's only role is to enjoy the moment. A child never worries about the future. He only embraces the joys that are before him, however simple, however short-lived. He has no elaborate plans, has no need to control the flow of, of events. He adapts to whatever circumstances he may find himself in and turns it into a game. The child plays. The world is a playground for a child, while others hurry around with urgent tasks which drain them of their zest for living. The child just lives. He takes no thought of the things that were the adult world. He intrinsically knows that in the end, matters take care of themselves. <laughs> that is a unique childlike faith. So what is so urgent that's robbed us of our joy, of our playful spirit? Now, we're not talking about personality types here. They're not all personalities are bubbly and outgoing. They're people persons. There are a lot of introverts. And they also have joy. They have their way of expressing it. You know? They may be extremely happy and you know, who knows? I'm kidding. But, 
Personality types are critically important to know. Because if you expect the outward expression to read what's inside, you like that, eh? <laughs> well, let's take a look at Patch Adams. The real Patch Adams. Dr. Patch Adams. He's the founder and director of Gesundheit Institute, a free health uh, clinic uh, in operation for 15 years in Arlington, Virginia. Dr. Adams adds in to his training as a physician his experience as a street clown. In working with the health and mental health professionals, he explores the relationship between humor and therapy. Dr. Adams explains, I interpret my experience in life as being happy. I want, as a doctor, to say it does matter to your health to be happy. It may be the most important health factor in your life. And he's persuaded that the most happy revolutionary act one can commit in our world is to be happy. Be happy. Another medical example of how a jubilant attitude can bring strength comes from the story of Norman Cousins, who wrote the book The Anatomy of an Illness. It's also a movie. You can get it for free on YouTube. Cousins writes about how he used, used the therapy of laughter to help him overcome a crippling disease. While laying in a hospital, he would watch old episodes of Candid Camera. He also watched old movies like the Marx Brothers. He would lie in his hospital bed and laugh hysterically. His heartfelt belly laugh seemed to have an anesthetic effect on him and allowed him to sleep free of pain. Even his doctors confirmed that his laughter was gradually changing his body's chemistry for the better. How you think matters. And we covered that in this series a lot earlier. It really matters where your mind is, what you think about, and how you respond. Live properly. If you want Jesus to live through you, then live properly. What does that mean through a grace lens? Because you can look at it through a legalistic lens and say, live properly. You know, and now it's a to-do list. You have to. And the first thing you do is, no, I don't want to. You know, you're, most people tend to rebel against rules. But the live properly is an encouragement from the Spirit of Christ in you. What does properly mean? Well, let's take a look at this. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. To live properly means this. A priest is a mediator between God and man. As Jesus Christ lives his life through you, your lifestyle becomes the conduit through which he pours out his love and life on people around you. Just living. Letting Jesus live through you. Christ is in you and he wants out. <laughs> it's a game in some, for some people. How do you do this? Just love people. Learn to be loved first. You can't love others if you don't know you are loved. Everybody will love others based on the capacity of their knowledge of how they believe God to love them. So some people that are not happy, there's a good chance many are believing lies that God's angry at them or has rejected them or they have disappointed God. These lies will put you into a downward spiral really quickly. We talk, again, that was previous uh, part of the series. We don't have to try to live for Jesus. You don't have to try. Don't be religious, please. Please. I met with a family this week, you know, and uh, coming in as the minister um, to do a funeral, and uh, they say, we're not, well, we're not really religious. I said, neither am I. Neither am I. <laughs> they looked at me funny. I said, what? I knew they had no clue what I was talking about, so I had a lot of fun sharing with them. You know, the word religion literally means to bind up. So, are you into religion? No. no. 
I'm into spiritual truth. I'm a spiritual man. You're spiritual men and women. We're, all, we're spiritual beings. You have to remember that. You're a spiritual person having a human experience. You're not a human having a spiritual experience. It's backwards. Our world has it wrong. Let us love flow. Jesus will deliver you from a religious lifestyle, lead you and guide you into a righteous one because you are righteous. You can't add righteousness to yourself. Jesus has made you righteous. It's all good. Let him express his life through you. Okay, wisdom on living properly. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitate God. That's pretty cool. He's in you. This is good news stuff. Next, from Philippians. This is a great one. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I got one amen? Man, I know we're not Pentecostal, that's okay. <laughs> you can whisper it and, yeah. Seriously, this is like great news. We should have the same attitude of Christ, who did not come to be a leader. He came to serve. Big difference. Great attitude. Next. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me let you in on a little secret. You've heard about abiding in Christ? You know, some people say, well, you have to abide in Christ. Mm, no. You don't. Isn't that sad? What, what could you possibly mean? You better finish that sentence, Mike. No, the reason you don't have to abide in Christ is because you already are. You're in him. Now, let him out. This is the fruit. This is the evidence of Christ being in you. When you see this happening in your life, that was cool, that was Jesus. What? I didn't even try. Exactly. Stop trying. I'm trying to abide, Lord. I'm trying to abide. I'm going to do these rituals to, to, to train my mind. Yep, I can do this. I'm going to stop eating that and start eating this. Yep, yep, yep. Stop all that stuff to try to become more spiritual because you already are. You're in Christ. Relax. Next, Romans 12 is awesome. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. <laughs> that's what it means. That's, that's what he's saying. Look, plead. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Right there. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's through the changing of your mind that the Holy Spirit does. You can't even do it. 
But he's sending messages to you all the time. And he's big enough to get your attention. He's called us to grow up, to mature. Next. Oh, this is awesome too. 2 Peter 1.3. By his divine power, God has given us some of the things we need for living a godly life. Is that what it says? No. He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You lack nothing. You're fully complete. You have everything. You don't have to start begging God, God, I need more patience, or I need, I need more skills in this. I need, I need you know, like, your list is useless because you already have it. Change your words to match true faith and say, Father... <coughs> The patience that is already in me, can you please let it out? Because my self-made one sucks. Especially in this roundabout. You know what I mean? Good. Hebrews 6.1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. In other words, grow up. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Folks, this is like pablum stuff. He's calling us to grow up. This is how we live properly. Mature, grow, allow our understanding to increase. Have I given you any to-dos yet? Have you heard any to-dos of the list of what you have to do to, to live properly? No. In fact, the, only, the, the one theme I'm seeing already here is love. Love. Is the number one theme here. Let me give you a new oh there it is. Love, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, love one another. This is how everyone will recognize you're my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. But I thought that our community would know who we are as Christians by all the stuff we do and all the stuff we don't do. No, they'll know by your love. They'll know how you love each other, how you love in your community. And this can take time. No, none of us have this perfected. <laughs> okay? It takes time. But there's the command. Love one another as I loved you. And how did Jesus love us? Gave himself up. Gave himself up first. I love it. John 15. I've told you these things for a purpose. That my joy might be your joy. And your joy, wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You're my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. Remember, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. He and I are the same. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A lot of good news there. Number five, living prosperously. Living prosperously. If you want Jesus to live through you, then live prosperously. Be generous. It says in, in uh, oh, where does it say this? Here we go. Well, this is from the Isaiah passage. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And to equate prosperity with money alone is really limited and narrow. 
You should not see prosperity to deal with just money. Although, unfortunately, in the Christian world, we have this thing called a prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. It implies that because you're in Christ, you're supposed to be rich. You're not allowed to get sick because then you're not believing in Christ. All, all the stuff that is anti-Jesus, all of it is because it's a distraction from all the... In fact, it's pointing to everything you are supposed to do, not what he has done. It's a good way to know the difference between the two. Living prosperously. Looking around you. Wealth is not a balance in the bank. People can have a large balance there and still be bankrupt. Prosperity is having more than you need. That is the condition of every Christian. You have more than you need. Can you believe that? Paul said in Colossians 2.10, In him you have been made complete. The word complete means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause, to abound, to furnish, to supply liberally, to abound. I'm, you and I are liberally supplied. You have it all. So you don't have to ask for more. You've got it all. Make no mistake about it. You are already prosperous. And because of this prosperity, you will benefit from everything and everybody. Have you ever experienced moments where somehow everything's just going the right way? I'm not talking about it's a green light for the entire trip to work. And you never, oh, wow, another green light is amazing. You know, no, that can be, okay? That's just fun. But somehow, God's giving you a blessing. And he's, he's allowing a pathway to open for you to go someplace. Sometimes it begins with a slammed door. Sometimes it begins with an absolute disastrous crisis. And God may use that as a gift to you to bring you to a place of brokenness. So you live in utter, complete dependence on him. True prosperity begins with an understanding of brokenness. It really does. Because I know a lot of people that are financially prosperous, but so independent and proud. Oh my goodness, they don't need anything, anyone, God, nothing. In fact, the world revolves around them. That, is, that doesn't fit those scriptures I just covered you know, keep that in mind. You are a child of the king. Start acting like it. That's going to be hard. But the more you believe this, the more you believe you're good and God's for you, watch your life begin to reflect it. And when you start to believe it, your eyes will start to see the opportunities put before you. Some people are trying to get to point B on their own. That's my goal. i got to get there. And I'm navigating my whole plan. And yet, God has a point one, 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 because you have all these little steps. Like he, he may redirect you and get you there his way, or that may not even be the ultimate goal he has for you, but it's your goal, and he's allowed you to dream and drool on it, okay, just because that's the only direction you're going to go. He knows this. How about tr stop trying to figure all the correct answers out for the end result? You can have your goal, but the Lord determines your steps. Will you let him determine those steps? Will you put your hand out openly and say, okay, Father, my goal is to be this, to accomplish this task, but I'm going to keep it loosely open because I'm going to trust you as the God of outcomes. I know you don't need my help. Sometimes I want to help you, but you don't need my help. Got it. Self-talk. Do you remember me talking about positive self-talk in this series? Uh, I was pointed out that I actually didn't talk about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to give you the best self-talk talk that I can. 
Folks, when I was in counseling, the counselor made me deal with some positive self-talk. And for me, a person who deals with a ton of insecurities, more than I want to admit from up front, but they're there. Those of you who know me know. I don't do fake. But to have me speak to me and be positive about the things I'm ashamed of or the lies I've believed, that was hard, even looking in a mirror. And I'm not talking about the, you are wonderful. You are excellent. You, you know, not that. Those, those, those cassette tapes are, you can, you can put those on your MP3. You know what I mean. That's not what this is. The self-talk that I had to learn began with Christ. What does he say about me? If I could have the ushers please come up. Since we're talking about prosperity, we're going to take up an offering. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I need the ushers, though. We're going to hand out some papers. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can get to this. We're going to get, okay, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Nope. Darn. There we go. We're going to go through this entire list. No, I'm kidding. We're not. It's too long. Just make sure everybody gets some somehow. There you go, one for you. Isn't that nice? Okay. Positive self-talk. If there's a, a thing I could encourage you to do, because what you do does affect you. This is something I'd like you to do on your own. We're not going to go through this list today, but I'm equipping you. Because remember, my job as a pastor, listen, hey, it's not to do all the work on my own. My job is to build and equip you to do the work that God's called you to do. This is the first step in equipping this document. There's a hundred things there that explain to you from Scripture how you are loved, valued, and accepted. And at a moment in time when you're feeling bummed out, you're nobody, you've failed, you have made the same error again and again, and that you're just sick of your own patterns, that you're just disappointed. If there's not enough, we'll get more. We'll photocopy more. Um, you, you may be at a place where, hey, I, I'm at a depressing state now. I, I feel like I don't even want to live. People do go there, folks. Grab this. And even better, cry out to God to show you, Lord, this is how I see myself. Tell me how you see me because I need some reminding right now. And sometimes you may have a good friend you can call on who will speak this positive talk into you, which is just as important. So take these seriously. Positive self-talk, who I am in Christ. This may be a great gift to you. We're going to go back. Can I have the volume up in a second, Brian? This whole series is based on these verses. I'm going to read them one more time for you because this is how we're going to wrap things up and then have a closing video. From Isaiah, the hope. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's the fact. He's on you. Non-negotiable. Nothing you can do about it. He's on you. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. We live in a world of afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We have a ton of those in our culture and in our own church. To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. People who have allowed themselves to be fallen into traps and captivity of lies. As well as people who have been by somebody else hurting them. 
have been put into a system of lies. They need that help. They need that freedom. We're here to proclaim liberty, that they're free, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. By the way, when Jesus read this in the temple, this is going to be really cool. If you didn't hear this before, you, you need to see this. He read all this, and he stopped right here. Mid-verse. He left out the vengeance of the Lord, and guess what the priests did? you didn't finish they were mad because Jesus came as the day of the Lord the day of favor and his favor is on you even if you don't feel it or believe it here he goes to comfort all who mourn do you know people who are mourning probably to grant to those who mourn in Zion giving them a garland instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting so they will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified this is good news and they will rebuild the ancient ruins there's hope folks even the dreams you think you've lost, even when you say that I've screwed it up so bad, I took the wrong courses, I can't do that, or I, I've, my job uh, history is terrible for this, I, my, my dreams are gone. They are not. God's into the business of rebuilding. He's rebuilding in your life and in your mind. He begins with your mind. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Even your family history cannot stop the favor of the Lord. Sorry. Who's bigger? Your Lord or your heritage? Clearly your Heavenly Father is. This is great news. Strangers will stand and pasture your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers for your vine or your, and your vine dressers. This is the prosperity of the Lord on you. He'll use people around you. Open your eyes and see. I, I promise you, I don't think you will ever err on the side of believing God for too much, but we have not believed him enough for what he does have for us. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. This is great. But you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. This is the kind of good news we need to bring to our world, to our community. And it's in you to give. It's like that blood commercial. Blood, it's in you to give. <laughs> you know, I thought it was good. You not seen that one? I thought it was good. Sound up, lights out for this next video. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a rock star. You know, when I was a kid, I just knew I'd be scoring touchdowns for the Dallas Cowboys. I uh, wanted to be a filmmaker. I always wanted to be a mom. I really wanted to be an NBA All-Star. When I was younger, uh, me and my family would watch Rescue 911, and um, I just remember being so amazed on how the paramedics would go into these houses and save people. I used to make these little books, and I'd, I'd spend a long time on the cover and putting a good title on it. When I was nine years old, uh, I used to make movies on Super 8 uh, cameras, and then we used to uh, actually sell tickets to the other kids in the neighborhood. I know one 
one thing that kept me from playing the NBA was my physical ability and my size. But I also realized that I didn't really have the work ethic or the discipline or the right attitude. There's forces in life that, that try and scare you into staying put and they work. I had dreams but I didn't think anyone went after their dreams. And if there was something for me to go after, why me? I'm not special enough. I'm not worthy enough. There's so many things in life that, are, that can be a distraction, um, that can chip away at your dream one day at a time, one month at a time, and before you know it, you're just far away from what you really love to do. Music takes a lot of energy, and so does life. And a lot of times I feel like I can't do both. When my football dream didn't work out, I, I just floundered for several years. Yeah, for a long time now, I felt like that there's, there's really something great on the horizon of my life. And, but right now, I just know that I'm in a waiting period, and, and waiting can be really frustrating. What I do right now is I work to fulfill my children's dreams. I'm a single mom, and I have two children to raise, and I want them to have a better life than I've had and be more satisfied than I have, and that's the dream I'm pursuing right now. I just got accepted into a surgical technology program and as soon as that's finished I plan on heading out to medical school. In a few weeks I'm marrying the man of my dreams and we're starting our family and I'm, it's a dream come true. In two days I'm going to Taiwan and Hong Kong to let others know that they are valuable and to help them see that they have purpose. I just opened up my own video production company and for the first time in my life I feel fulfilled. Oh, I'm living my dream. Obviously, it's not the one that I planned for myself initially, but it's definitely the one God had for me. I want to do so much, and it can only happen by a miracle, so I have to leave it with God, and I trust Him with it. I trust Him. Who's your daddy? It's a good question. Jesus often asked, who do you say I am? Because they kept asking him, who are you? <laughs> he knew who he was. They didn't know who he was. Today I want to declare to you who you are. You are a saint. Not because of what you do, but because of what he has done and he has the final say. When our king comes in glory, Jesus Christ, he's not going to come and into this political system. I read this the other day. It was a great reminder. He's not going to enter this political system and negotiate and have an election and scandals, all that kind of stuff. He's going to come in. He's going to take his place. Boom. He's in charge. Funny thing is, he's in charge right now. You need to see it. You need to believe it. Be encouraged. Oops. Realize and rest in your identity if you want to live your dreams. That's how you begin. Discover and develop your abilities. God's given you abilities, talents. Some of you are going to school to develop the gifts. You may not even know. In fact, your first year of school, you may not have a clue where this is going to lead you, but at least it started. Trust God in that to redirect you to fine-tune your gifts and your skills. Accept and appropriate the good news. That's a huge thing. Experience and express a grace-based outlook. 
lot of attitude stuff on there. And then, of course, we just finished the supernatural lifestyle, how to live it. This is how we move on to the rest of grace. The rest of grace. It begins by resting in Christ. But how do we now work from a place of rest? And I hope I've given you enough tools and equipped you to get going and let the Holy Spirit tell you what your next step is. There's a whole lot going on. And this church is an exciting church to be a part of. And this fall will be very exciting. And I trust that as God opens up your eyes, he'll allow you to connect with people so they can also know the good news. This good news is not to be kept in these four walls. Sorry. It's nice to come in and have a holy huddle. But let's get out and play. Let's have some fun. Let's connect naturally with the people that we rub shoulders with day to day. And then God will inspire you for the right person when to say what. He lives in you and he wants out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,